He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and i'm here today to continue our discussion of the prophet by khalil gibran the book is now in the public domain so if you do a quick search you should be able to find a copy so that you can read along with me if that is something that you want to do today we are picking up on the chapter on friendship And so, let's go to the text. And a youth said, Speak to us of friendship. And he answered, saying, Your friend is your needs answered. He is your field which you sow with love and reap with thanksgiving. He is your board and your fireside for you for you come to him with your hunger and you seek him for peace i haven't spent a lot of time in discussing these chapters on who is speaking and i find it interesting here that the person who asks about friendship is a youth This is, I I think, kind of an important note here. It's something that a lot of us talk about, especially as we get older, that it is seemingly much easier to make friends when you were a child than when you get older. I have found that to be true throughout my life. But the one thing that is important to remember in all of this is that we make friends continually throughout our lives. Friendships rarely last an entire life, and those that do are precious and should be held on to. So the prophet tells us that our friends are a field which we sow with love and reap with thanksgiving. I do not believe that the prophet is trying to establish a market-based understanding of friendship here. Instead, he's trying to explain how these interactions work. Through the love that we pour into a relationship, we receive back in a myriad ways that we cannot help but have thanksgiving for. Friendship is surprising and is not at all transactional. And that's one of the things that makes it so precious, especially in our late capitalist world, where we are sitting here in a place where everything is commodified. And we see them trying to bring these commodities to our relationships. How many likes did you get? How many friends do you have on what social network? How many followers? So we're not not even talking about friends anymore. They're followers. How many people follow you? 
But in all our interactions, we sow love. We show so compassion. And in so doing, we find a home and a fireside to keep us warm. A place to go when we are in need of solace and healing, and a place from which we can find peace. And those are, at least in my experience, the true signs of friendship. Continuing from the text. When your friend speaks his mind, you fear not the nay in your own mind, nor do you hold with the I. And when he is silent, your heart ceases not to listen to his heart. For without words, in friendship, all thoughts, all desires, all expectations are born and shared with joy that is unclaimed. When you part from your friend, you grieve not. For that which you love most in him may be clearer in his absence, as the mountain to the climber is clearer from the plain. And let there be no purpose in friendship, save the deepening of the spirit. For love that seeks aught but the disclosure of its own mystery is not love but a net cast forth. And only the the unprofitable is caught. Mm. Like we were just saying, friendship is not about the transaction. It's not about what you get. And I find this to be true, that you really see what your friendships are like in distance. You know, most of my friends live on one of the coasts, and I live in the center of the country. That's not to say that I don't have a few friends around here, but the vast majority of my friends live either on the East Coast or the West Coast. And so I rarely get to see them, and I rarely get to speak with them. But throughout the year, throughout the time that we are separate, I can see the glory of those friendships. We are together even when we are apart. It's amazing how often you just suddenly need to text them or get in touch with them somehow, only to find out that they were secretly having a bad day. Or, very often in my case, they reach out to me when I'm secretly having a bad day. And they're there for you. And you're there for them. And there really is no purpose in friendship other than the deepening of the spirit. Our connections with those that we hold most dear grow over time, like the relationships we discovered and discussed in the chapter on love, which I would include friendship in that chapter. We do not hold, we do not trap, we do not own or possess our friends. Our friends are there, and like flowers in a garden, we grow together and we cross-pollinate each other's dreams and ideas and ambitions and we help each other. This is the power of friendship. This friendship is indeed magic. Continuing from the text. And let your best be 
for your friend. If he must know the ebb of your tide, let him know its flood also. For what is your friend that you should seek him with hours to kill? Seek him always with hours to live, for it is his to fill your need and not your emptiness. But in the sweetness of friendship, let there be laughter and sharing of pleasures. For in the dew of little things, the heart finds its morning and is refreshed. I love this. This is just, it makes me smile. Because it's true. Friends aren't just there to hold you up when you're feeling sad. They're there to share in your triumphs. And you're there to share in their sorrows and their triumphs. And you're there to grow together and to be stronger and in that mutuality to make all things better. Because a lot of what I'm going to say is uh, covered in the next chapter, I'm just going to go on to the next chapter of the book. And then a scholar said, Speak of talking. And he answered saying, When you talk... I'm sorry, <laughs> start again. And he answered saying, you talk when you cease to be at peace with your thoughts. And when you can no longer dwell in the solitude of your heart, you live in your lips, and sound is a diversion and a pastime. And in, and in much of your talking, thinking is half-murdered. For thought is a bird of space, that in a cage of words may indeed unfold its wings, but cannot fly. Okay, so this is what, what I was talking about earlier, that you share both the good and the bad. So much of a proper and right friendship actually exists in the things that are unsaid, like, you know that somebody is truly your friend when they know what you're feeling and thinking when you don't say it and vice versa, that this part of the relationship deepens and grows. And there are some times when you just have to hold each other or dance together or sing. Sometimes you just have to celebrate and laugh and live in the joy but always remember, as we've talked about many times throughout this podcast, and especially while going through the prophet, the best things can't be said. The things that we really want to say, need to say, have to say, don't fit into words. And so, in glory, they're said in silence. They're said in those moments where we're just together. Continuing from the text. There are those among you who seek the talkative through fear of being alone. The silence of aloneness reveals to their eyes their naked selves, and they would escape. And there are those who talk, and without knowledge or forethought, reveal a truth which they themselves do not understand. 
and there are those who have the truth within them, and they tell it not in words. In the bosom of such as, as these, the spirit dwells in rhythmic silence. Yeah. Okay, so this is something that I bristle against because I'm, I am a very talkative person. But as you can tell, because I do this podcast and I do another podcast and, you know, I'm always just, you know, I write books, I talk, I tell stories. It's what I do. But in so many of my experiences in relationships, it's actually those moments where we're not talking that have the most meaningful and long-lasting experiences. We exchange truth in those moments. It's the rhythm of the silence. That's the heart of a real friendship. I can think of many of my friends when they've come to me in sorrow, and instead of talking, instead of trying to mollify their pain, we just held each other. We wept together. I can think of many excited moments in celebration where we just danced or we just sang. And in these experiences, we find our true friendship. In these moments, we find the truth. Returning to the text, when you meet your friend on the roadside or in the marketplace, let the spirit in you move your lips and direct your tongue. Let the voice within you speak to the ear of his ear. For his soul will keep the truth of your heart as the taste of the wine is remembered. When the color is forgotten and the vessel is no more. How beautiful. This is, after all, what we are looking for in good conversation. This is what we are looking for in all of our relationships. That long-lasting, that, that moment of connection. As Joseph Campbell so beautifully said, we're not looking for the meaning of life, we're looking for the experience of being alive. And that is so true in all that we're doing. We often think that our words are what matter. There's a wonderful line from G Jesus where he talks about people who pray and when they pray, they repeat themselves over and over and over again. And he says, in their hearts, they think that they will be answered because of their much speaking. He talks about those who go into the middle of the courtyard and pray out loud so everyone can see that they are praying and says, truly, they have already received their reward because they didn't want something in prayer they wanted the attention on them to see how pious they are because there they are praying in public. Yeah. Silence is where most real conversation happens. We'll continue after the break. And we're back. And an astronomer said, Master, what of time? And he answered, You would measure time, the measureless and the immeasurable. You would adjust your conduct and even direct the course of your spirit according to the hours and seasons. 
of time you would make a stream upon whose bank you would sit and watch its flowing. So this is the first thing to remember. Time is relative. Depending on the altitude at which you're listening to me right now, time is actually passing at a different rate. If you're on a plane right now listening to this podcast, time is moving much, much faster. Time changes debased for, well, time is moving faster for me than it is for you. Because time is relative. Time isn't steady. The people up in the space station experience a different passage of time than we do down here on Earth. Time is different. And this is why I love that an astronomer asks these questions, because not only is, does an astronomer understand the relativistic nature of time, but an astronomer understands the vastness of it. That we talk about the billions and billions of years of life on this earth, and this, that this earth has existed. And then we talk about the billions of years before this earth exists. Time stretches out, yawning forward and back, in categories so large we can't help ourselves. We cannot understand them. And we obsess over time and schedules and being on time and being late. So much more is important in this world than time. Continuing from the text. But the timeless in you is aware of life's timelessness and knows that yesterday is but today's memory and tomorrow is today's dream. And that which sings and contemplates in you is still dwelling within the bounds of the first moment which scattered the stars into space. Who among you does not feel that his power to love is boundless? And yet, who does not feel that very love, though boundless, encompassed within the center of his being, and moving not from love thought to love thought, nor from love deeds to other love deeds? And is not time even as love is, undivided and paceless? That's an interesting question. What is our experience of time? I remember when I was a child, summers lasted forever. Days lasted forever. And now time flies by. It feels so short. And yet the same amount of time were it to be measured passes. Time is undivided. It is paceless. It is like our love. And like our love, it is something that we should cherish. Returning to the text. But if in your thoughts you must measure time into seasons, let each season encircle all of the other seasons. And let today embrace the past with remembrance and the future with longing. How beautiful is that? 
And this is something when we think of the seasons, they're not finite into themselves. Even when we think of just the basic seasons, right? Spring is, spring was, spring will be. Summer is, summer was, summer will be. Fall is, fall was, fall will be. Right now, winter is, but it was, and it will be again. These interconnections, Advent has just passed. We are inching closer and closer to Lent. And every year we experience these things, and every year things happen, and every year time moves on. Let us celebrate each and every one. Returning to the text. And one of the elders of the city said, Speak to us of good and evil. And he answered, Of the good in you I can speak, but not of the evil. For what is evil but good tortured by its own hunger and thirst? Verily, when good is hungry, it seeks food even in dark caves. And when it thirsts, it drinks even dead waters. Mm. We've talked about this before. Good and evil are intertwined. And whether you like any of his other thoughts or not, C.S. Lewis said something that I think is profound, and that is evil is dependent on good, because you cannot define something as evil without first defining something as good. You, you cannot do it the other way around. To say that murder is evil, you must say that living is good. Because if living is not good, then taking away life from another, is that wrong? You see, evil is defined by what we define as good. And the prophet goes so far as to say here that we need to be careful and we need to be watchful because good hungers and thirsts. And when it is tortured by its hunger and thirst, it turns to evil. You see, all things are a corruption of the good. Why does a thief steal? Because he needs the basics. He needs food. He needs shelter. He needs money. And so the thief steals to get these things because it appears to be the easier way. It seems sometimes to be the only way to get these things. So in the end, the thief is seeking a good, being fed, being clothed, being housed, finding shelter. These are all good things. But in that torture, by its own hunger and thirst, they enter the dark cave and they drink from the dead waters. Continuing from the text, you are good when you are one with yourself. And when you are not one with yourself, you are not evil. For a house divided is not a den of thieves. It is only a divided house. And a ship without a rudder may wander aimlessly among perilous isles, yet sink not to the bottom. I love this imagery here because 
we tend to personify evil. We tend to make evil into a force, into a power that can be held and be whole, be held and be held. And this was a problem that even John Milton faced, which is why his Paradise Lost paints a fairly sympathetic view of the devil. In that famous line, it is better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. We see the struggles going on within Milton's devil. That he feels that his blind servitude is not worthy of the grandeur for which he was created. And so in rebellion, he can at least fulfill some aspect of that beauty. And that's the real secret of evil. Evil doesn't see itself as evil. Evil enters that dark cave. It drinks from that dead water. It thinks itself to be good. And any time you don't try to understand how any evil portrays itself in the mind of its perpetrator as a good, then you're not trying to understand the crime. You're not trying to understand the problem. And only when we understand the problem, when we understand the roots of the problem, can we ever, ever attempt to solve it. The mustachioed villain who twirls his mustache and monologues about, oh, it's so good to be evil, is a character from fiction. They all see themselves as doing good for some reason. And you have to understand the good that they're reaching for, even if they are wrong, even if they are mistaken. Because if you don't understand their aim, you cannot divert their course. Continuing to the text. You are good when you strive to give of yourself. Yet you are not evil when you seek gain for yourself. For when you strive for gain, you are but a root that clings to the earth and sucks at her breast. Surely the fruit cannot say to the root, Be like me, ripe and full and ever giving of your abundance. For to the fruit giving is a need, as receiving is a need to the fruit. I mean to the root. Yeah. This goes to something that I quote a lot, in this podcast where Jesus talks about that each part, one of us has different is a different part of the body of Christ, that he is the vine and we are the branches. Paul refers to this where Jesus is the head and we are the various parts. Some are the hands, some are the mouth, some are the eyes, some are the feet, some are the heart. And this is true with our own life. We are not always going to be able to give. You must first gain to give. You must have something to give. And so sometimes in silence, we retreat. Sometimes we work hard. But remember, the trick here is to learn to gain and not take. Continuing from the text. You are good when you are fully awake in your speech, yet you are not evil when you sleep while your tongue staggers without purpose. And even stumbling speech may strengthen a weak tongue. 
thank heavens for that because you don't always speak exactly the words that you want to say. You don't always mean what the words that came out of your mouth mean. Continuing. You are good when you walk to your goal firmly and with bold steps. Yet you are not evil when you go thither limping. Even those who limp go not backwards. But you who are strong and swift see that you do not limp before the lame, deeming it kindness. You are good in countless ways, and you are not evil when you are not good. You are only loitering and sluggard. Pity that the stag cannot teach swiftness to the turtles. This is important. We cannot constantly try to hold ourselves back so that we do not show up others with the things that we are gifted in. But at the same time, we shouldn't blame ourselves for our own liabilities. If you have trouble reading, if you have trouble speaking, if you have trouble comprehending, those exist and you're not lesser for them. You find your own way, sometimes with the help of others, but in the end, you find your own way. We are here to help one another find the path that they are here to walk, not to make them walk the path that we are here to walk. Continuing from the text, in your longing for your giant self, lies your goodness. And that longing is in all of you. But in some of you, that longing is a torrent rushing with might to the sea, carrying the secrets of the hillsides and the songs of the forest. And in others, it is a flat stream that loses itself in angles and bends and lingers before it reaches the shore. But let not him who longs much say to him that longs little, Wherefore are you slow and halting? For the truly good ask not the naked, Where is your garment? Nor the houseless, What has befallen your house? Mm. And that is the grand goal of all that we are doing. We are here to learn our path, to learn our way. And in so doing, share that wisdom so others can find their path and their way. All are good and unstained. All are, nothing is stained. Nothing is pure. We are all good. And sometimes we enter the dark caves and drink of the dead waters. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to like either this episode or this podcast, please do so. That helps me out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share me with others. If you've got a buck you can throw my way, just click the link in the show notes that says support on Anchor. That helps out a lot. Probably going to have to buy a new microphone soon. So thank you for any support you can give. If you don't have the money to give, don't worry. I do not do this podcast for money. If you would, though, please pray for me. And if you know anybody that you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. 
If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can connect with me on Twitter. I'm Wisdom Cries Out. You can find a link to all of my social media accounts over at wisdomscry.com. And until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion. Amen.